Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Blitz NFL Edition. Um, I'm your co-host, Sam Deering. With me, as always, is my awesome co-host, Jeff Anderson. I feel like it's been a while, Jeff. You know, we went early last week, um, kind of had some, you know, schedule mishaps. Um, you know, we're, we're college students, man. We're working hard on the side. Uh, we're doing this on the side. So how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, as you said, you know, being college students, you know, there's compromises that have to be made. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, as much as we would both love for this to be a full-time thing, uh, as of now, it is just a hobby. And so, you know, we do it when we can. Um, stay in school, kids, all that good stuff. But, yeah, I'm doing well. It's awesome. It's awesome. And yep, like you said, stay in school. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we're going to wrap up our, you know, draft slash offseason analyzation. Um, you know, we can, you know, once the draft concludes, um, you know, we can, you know, kind of come back and you know, gather our thoughts and recap the draft picks of every single team, um, our most exciting picks. You know, we can talk about that in the future. But, you know, what I want to finish here with today, Jeff, is 21 to 32. And... Starting with the 20th, 21st pick, the team that now has a new quarterback on their hands, a team that, you know, is head coach, head coach is Frank Reich, who also coached with Carson Wentz. I believe it was the Super Bowl. He was Frank or Frank Reich was the OC when Carson Wentz was there during the Super Bowl, even though he was hurt. This was Nick Foles. And then you bring in a guy, Matt Eberflus, the D coordinator who had, has gotten well-deserved head coaching interviews. I think if he keeps this up, he very well could be on his way out um, after this coming season for a head coaching job. Um, it's, it's weird because you're seeing guys, you're seeing guys with very limited resumes, coaching resumes that are landing head coaching jobs. Kevin Stefanski, obviously tip of the cap to him. He's obviously proved everyone wrong. I think Joe Judge, the team he's built, the team they're building for the Giants, you know, I think that's very, very promising for the head coaching career and tenure of Joe Judge. Um, Dan Campbell, in my opinion, I think I've said this before, Jeff, multiple times, he's, he's Adam Gase 2.0, right? He's, yep. I've definitely <laughs> heard that from you a couple times, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's one guy, I mean, he was the interim head coach before Adam Gase came in with the Dolphins, and then he's been the, you know, the, 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 the tight ends coach with the Saints ever since. Um, he's got a, he's got a six year contract. I find it very hard to believe that he's going to be landing. He's going to be there for six years. I got a feeling he'll be fired within like three, but you know, let's get back on topic though, Jeff, we're going to back to the Colts. I bring up Frank Reich is because the big acquisition acquisition they made was trading for Carson Wentz. They lost Phillip Rivers to retirement and they gained Carson Wentz. You know, this team has quite a few glaring needs. Um, and like, really, if you look at this division, I really think it's the Colts division to lose now because the Titans last season had an awful defense. The Jags are building for the future, but I think if the Jags play their cards right with a ton of draft capital, a ton of cap space, I think they have the most cap space in the NFL right now. Um, They could be competitive in the next two seasons, I would argue. They could compete for a wild card spot, especially with the expanded playoff now that we're seeing. Um, and now they're they're even. I don't necessarily agree with this part, but they're adding a 17th game of the season. Yep. Um, they just approved that recently, like a week or two ago. <clears throat> um, quite a few players, like, like Alvin Kamara, have you know expressed their um, expressed their concerns and negative opinions on it. And I don't blame them at all. But 
this team, in my opinion, you know, it's their division to lose. And Houston's a dumpster fire. We don't need to talk about them. But, um, you know, if I had to pick, you know, three main areas that this team is that needs, I would say, an, an upgrade slash, you know, improvements on. Number one, I'm absolutely going offensive line, you know, just because um, they bring in Carson Wentz. And, you know, you saw how many times he was just brutally sacked last season. Um, and, you know, Carson Wentz is injury prone. And not just last season, like in general, Carson Wentz is probably the one of, if not the most injury prone quarterback. He's the most injury prone starting quarterback, I should say now, in the NFL. Um, and they need to protect him. They, they have to protect him. And I'm going to go edge as well in the second one. And then, you know, building that secondary core at the corners. Because um, they brought back Xavier Rhodes on a one-year deal. Um, you know, I mean, and they, they can try to get him back to what he used to be. He's a former All-Pro. But, Jeff, you know, what are your thoughts on this Colts team? You know, where they stand for next season? Any areas, you know, that they could really use some help on? So, as you said, this division is, I would say, theirs to lose. Um, as you said, the Jags, they're still rebuilding. Um, they could potentially make a run at things if, like you said, it goes right. Uh, Houston, we don't really know what's going on there. There's a lot of a lot of question marks in Houston right now, especially surrounding uh, Deshaun, but we're not going to talk about that on here until more comes out about that. Uh, and then their only real competition is Tennessee, although I think that Tennessee lost a little too much uh, in free agency, who they'll be the next team we talk about, to be able to truly make a run um, at the Colts this year. So I think that the Colts are the team to look at here uh, as taking the division. And I think, as you said, tackle is their biggest need. Uh, just because we saw last year with Carson Wentz, um, when he doesn't have help, he tries to play hero ball. And that did not work out for him. Obviously, as we've seen, the Eagles gave up on him. They traded him away to the Colts. They're not putting their faith into Jalen Hurts for their future. And a big, the big thing with tackle here is the Colts need to take a guy who's not going to get hurt because last year that was the biggest issue with the Eagles. It kind of has been for a while. They, I think, are the worst team in the NFL in terms of injury woes. They have so many guys who consistently uh, end up hurt for a week or two. And Carson really didn't have a full team around him last year, and obviously that severely hurt him. So I do think tackle is the spot to go. Uh, a guy that I could see them taking, uh, depending on how the tackles uh, come out, is Dylan Radunes, uh, just because I do think a lot of these tackles, such as like Tevin Jenkins and guys before him, are going to be gone by this point. Uh, they could look at Walker Little, um, although with his ACL concerns, uh, I'm not sure if they'd be willing to gamble on him, but Dylan Radunes tore his ACL in his uh, redshirt freshman campaign back in 2017. Since then, he started every single game that he played for North Dakota State. I think that's a great option for them. If they wanted to look edge, I still think a decent amount of people are going to be at the spot. I think Jason Owe is someone interesting to look at here. I don't think Pay will still be on the board by them. Uh, Jason Owe is just an athletic freak, but he doesn't really have much in terms of 
actual technique, anything like that, but he's just a physical specimen. I think Frank Wright could find a way to work out with him. Uh, Jalen Phillips could potentially be here as well. Uh, There's just a little bit of concussion issues, although I think on tape he is the best edge in this class, but he's got that concussion history. Aziz Ojolari is another guy to look at out of Georgia. And then you also have Gregory Rousseau, who's another interesting physical specimen in this class. So I think that edge and tackle are the two spots that they should go here. Uh, You could also look at wide receiver um, if you wanted to, although I think that there's enough enough, uh, depth in this class at that spot where they could get a guy in either the second or potentially the third round at wide receiver and have him sit on the side for a year as more of like a project piece. Because they do have a pretty good receiver core right now with Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, and T.Y. Hilton coming back on that one-year deal. So, Jeff, you actually named, you know, two players that I had initially wanted. Um, I think there's a strong chance Tevin Jenkins very well could still be on the board, and I think he will show off his versatility a lot because I think he's one of probably perhaps, you know, the best run blocker um, in this draft. You know, he's very, very quick. Um, a guy that they can potentially kick into guard at the near future. Um, there's one, so there, there's one guy, offensive tackle at Notre Dame. I do not think he's first round talent by any means. But if any team were to select him in the first round, I think it's I, I think it's going to be the Colts. And I think the Colts will entertain the idea. I really love that you brought up Walker Little. He's my favorite tackle in this draft. But I'm talking about Liam Eikenberg. Um, Liam Eikenberg probably is might be one of the, maybe a top five pass blocker in this draft. He is an elite pass blocker, but his problem is his footwork. He's not a run blocker. He's not an all around tackle. So, you know, the run in the run game is where he'll have to polish up. But I say the Colts for Liam Eikenberg just because basically what we alluded to kind of before of talking about having the offensive line being the primary position. Carson Wentz got sacked a lot. And, you know, one thing that we all noticed last year with the Eagles with Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz tried to do too much. And, like, and I was talking to Darius about this. And, you know, what I think is, yes, like, Greg Ward Jr., Alshon Jeffrey, Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager, those guys aren't Julio Jones or Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins. They're still receive. They they're still somewhat reliable. I think Greg Ward has shown flashes to be proved to be a proven reliable wide wide receiver. Jalen Rager is only on his rookie season, coming into his second year. Travis Fulgham was their best receiver this year. Alshon Jeffrey did not live up to the potential that everyone had hoped for on the Eagles, um, and he is now a free agent. You know, I, I really think that Carson Wentz should have accepted the fact that those guys were his wide receivers, um, and they brought back Boston Scott as well. I believe they kept, I believe they brought back Jordan Howard as well. But you know, Eagles, we talked about that last week, so give that a check out. Check that out. Um, you know, we published that later last week, late last week. But yeah, Tevin Jenkins, I like a lot. Um, Jalen Phillips, I like, um, but I really like that you brought up Gregory Rousseau, especially because if you look at the other side. Grover Stewart has really, really shown out to be a un- very underrated edge rusher in the NFL. And you have DeForest Buckner on one side. So you want a guy like Jalen Phillips, with who, beca- like from the opt-out of Gregory Russo, has helped him. And it's helped, it helped his draft stock. Unfortunately, hurt Quincy Roche's draft stock. You know, transfer out of Temple. Um, transfer out of Temple to Miami. And 
you know, if you want two big-bodied, like, animal edge rushers, I would go Gregory Russo with this pick because he's falling. And he's falling because other guys are, you know, really showing out. And you have Jalen Phillips as yours. I personally have Quiddy Pay as mine. Um, I don't think Quiddy Pay is going to be on the board either. But if they want to wait for an offensive lineman, I think Walker Little... Talent-wise, I think he could go in the second, anywhere in the second, but I think he'll fluctuate anywhere in the day two range. Um, but I think his injury concerns are going to come into question. See, the problem with the only problem I have with the Colts potentially waiting um, on tackle is that they have a late day two pick, uh, and I think that a majority of these tackles are going to be at least like the promising ones, like Walker Little. Uh, even guys like Sam Cosme are probably going to go at the top of round two. And I think the Colts pick right now is 54 in that second round. So I think it's going to be a little harder for them to be able to get that tackle spot. So I think that tackle is going to be the place that they should go here. Um, as we said, you know, get Carson on some help. Uh, don't make him do too much. He has a good team around him now. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, as we said, Pittman, Paris Campbell, Jonathan Taylor as his running back one. Like, this is a good offensive group. And I just hope that uh, Wentz can come to the realization this year that he doesn't need to do too much and he can just play within the system uh, that Frank Reich has set up for him. And uh, hopefully the Colts can be a Super Bowl contender this year or at least challenge Kansas City. Uh, we'll see what happens with them. Hopefully it'll be a good year for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have the talent, and if they play the cards right, they could be a deep playoff team. But, yep, like you said, let's you know it's their division to lose. So, Well, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Um, so they lost Jadavian Clowney yesterday to the Buffalo – or not the Bills, excuse me, the Cleveland Browns. Um, so you now have a duo of Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, which is – extremely scary and you know i in my opinion i i think that jadavian Clowney has you know put himself in the category of being considered an overrated player um he didn't do a ton in tennessee um and you know remember on one side or on the other edge rusher side the browns also had olivia vernon if i remember correctly yep i think he is a free agent so it makes a ton of sense they also the browns also tried to get jj watt um, so the Browns were desperate for depth at edge rusher outside of Miles Garrett. So this could really be a, you know, a revival of Jadavian Clowney's career to really, really turn himself around um, because he's extremely talented. Um, and, you know, I think he is somewhat overrated, but I absolutely think he still has the talent to really prove people wrong. But for the Titans... I still think they need help up front. They lost Malcolm Butler, who I also think is overrated because he's known <laughs> for the Super Bowl catch. But again, he's on a one-year deal with the Cardinals, and that could give him a very similar opportunity for Jadavian, like Jadavian Clowney, like I had mentioned, to really you know prove himself that he can still be that he can be an elite corner. Um, but I think the two areas that the Titans need help are edge up front and the corners. But the corners. The corner class is very deep, 
where they could potentially get a guy like Aaron Robinson or, you know, I think Kelvin Joseph might be there or, you know, I can, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kelvin Joseph ends up in the first round. Um, but they got to go edge here. Um, you know, they don't have any depth at all. Um, so, I mean, Gregory Russo wouldn't be bad here. I really, really like um, Aziz Soljilari here. And, you know, there's a lot of edge rushers in this class um, that's, you know, don't have that prototypical Gregory Russo body frame, but they really prove themselves wrong. And Jalen Phillips and Aziz Ojolari are one of those guys. I'd say that this is a spot where the Titans should take a bit of like a calculated risk. Um, I would say on a guy, like you said, such as Gregory Rousseau or uh, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari. Um, but this team lost a lot in free agency. Um, they lost Corey Davis as their number two receiver who had probably his best year in the pros last year. They also lost some guys at corner, as you were saying, Malcolm Butler, as well as a Dory Jackson. So they could look, uh, to go a corner here if they wanted to as well. I think a guy like Greg Newsom might be here. Um, Asante Samuel, you could also look at Caleb Farley, um, even though he's, consistently dropping day after day just because of those injury concerns. But I like what you say about edge here because last year the Titans just did not get to the ball very well. Um, They did bring in a couple guys like Bud Dupree is on this team now. And then you still have Jeffrey Simmons uh, in that front, but why not get another guy to help Jeffrey Simmons out? Um, I really like the pick here of Gregory Rousseau if he's available um, as you're saying, Aziz Ojolari, uh, I think both of those guys um, are good spots here for the Titans at pick number 22. Uh, they've got it's it's really hard to project what the Titans are going to do this year because they basically been the same team on offense for the past two years since they got Ryan Tannehill. Uh, they pretty much pound the ball a bunch with Derrick Henry and then they suck on third down because everybody knows that they're just going to run it the first two downs and they just stack the box on them. So uh, they could entertain the idea of getting a wide receiver to help out in that regards. But I like your idea here of going defense, especially considering how much they lost on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of what I was going to say, too, is they can entertain the idea of a Rashad Bateman here. Rashad Bateman pairing up with A.J. Brown, but... You know, they also lost Adam Humphreys. I really, I mean, both of those guys are very replaceable wide receivers. Corey Davis was inconsistent, extremely inconsistent throughout his rookie contract. Adam Humphreys is a wide receiver three who is now in the on the Washington football team. Corey Davis is with the New York Jets. Um, so, you know, the wide receiver two spots wide open. I can see the potentially entertaining the idea, but, you know, edge rusher class isn't that deep. Um, and that's why I think they have to go defense first, and I think they should go edge rusher first, and I think they can wait for a corner. Yeah, you're right there. Um, it'll. I hope that I hope that the Titans can figure it out because it seems like just year in year out they're kind of what everybody expects. You know, a nine and seven, ten and six team uh, who's gonna make the playoffs and get bounced in the first or second round. So hopefully they can bring in that kind of game changer. And I think that they can get one at the spot, especially at the edge spot. Yep, I fully agree. Um, Let's move on to the Jets. So remember, this came from the Jamal Adams trade. 
Um, who, in my opinion, the Jets are not the Jets. Excuse me, the Seahawks. I don't think we're in any position to be trading for Jamal Adams. Um, you know, Bradley McDougald really wasn't that bad. Obviously, Jamal Adams is a is an upgrade. Um, I, th- I want to say he's either a free agent or he's on his last year of his rookie contract. I thought he was a free agent. Um, so this is this is interesting because you know the first two picks seem like a lock. Right, Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two to the Jets. Now I did a live mock draft for Saturday standouts last Wednesday, and you know it was my co-host and I running it, running the odd picks, and another show called the Hard Count. The two co-hosts from them were from that show. We're doing the even picks, and you know this this would be a spicy pick, all right. And I'm talking Najee Harris, and you know. Ever since Darius had said this to me, it really sticks to me. And I like to bring it up a lot because I think it's a very good point. The NFL likes to bring up the recency bias, right? Because Travis Etienne, I think his stock hurt just a tad. I think I I would be extremely shocked if he falls past the mid-second round. He's first-round talent. And so is Najee Harris. And I feel like I've seen some people on Twitter say that Najee Harris is a one-year wonder. You're wrong. Najee Harris has gone through like two, his past two seasons, he's rushed for over 1,100 yards. Um, like he's, I'm not a huge fan of Alabama running backs um, in terms of how they pan out in the NFL. There's very few. There's very few. Derrick Henry, obviously, obviously, I probably a lot of people were wrong about. Heisman Trophy winner, who also dropped to the second round. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. Um, Sean Alexander went to Bama as well. There's one Josh Jacobs. I think Najee Harris is going to be added to that list. This would be a very, very spicy pick as well. Um, but if they want to go linebacker, um, anywhere on the defensive side, you know, they could look at corner. Um, I believe they drafted Ashton Davis out of Cal last year in the later rounds. But um, Or they could go help up front, a guy like Jalen Phillips. Um, but, you know, Najee Harris would be a really, really exciting pick here. That'd be a very polarizing pick. And I, I totally see where you're coming from with it, you know, because the Jets, I mean, their wide receiver or their running back one, uh, they just signed Tevin Coleman recently. They also have uh, LaMichael Perrin, Ty Johnson as well in that depth chart. So it's not the greatest running back room in the world, but I think Najee Harris would be a slam dunk here, especially getting Mike LaFleur. They're going to be running that, that Shanahan system. So I do think that Najee Harris would be an interesting pick here. Um, however, I think that with um, Robert Sala coming in as the head coach of this team, being a defensive-minded guy, I think that they're going to go defense here. And I would agree with that. Um, I think just building on this young, talented defense uh, even more. And I think that the way you do it is you help out Quinnen Williams and you get another guy uh, to help him out. And I think that the Jets can have a little bit of flexibility here with who they want to go because obviously they're not looking to win, I think, anytime soon. So I think that going with a guy like Jalen Phillips, if he's available, I think would be fine for them because he has that injury history. But do the Jets really care about that? I don't think they do because right now they're going to win four games next year, maybe five if they shock the world. 
Um, so I think a guy like Jalen Phillips, if somehow Gregory Rousseau is still here, I think that would be an excellent pick as well. I think somewhere along the edge or potentially at cornerback, a guy like Newsom or Asante Samuel, maybe even Caleb Farley, um, they could potentially pick here. But I think going defense for them with Robert Sala coming in as the head coach, uh, I really think that he's going to work wonders with whoever he takes at the spot, whoever uh, Joe Douglas decides to take at the spot. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, their second pick, they could really go places or they could really, you know, approach it in various ways. And I also feel like this is another area where if Darnold's gone, which means Zach Wilson's basically a lock at number two, where people might entertain offers to trade up and have the Jets potentially trade out of this pick for more draft capital. Um, potentially, like, more in the later round, like, more in day two. Um, but, you know, if they... Najee would be a fun pick. Um, I think I think he'll end up going before Etienne. Um, however, I... You know how big a fan, I'm, a fan I am of Etienne. Um, I think he's the best running back in the draft, but... Um, if you want to talk recency bias, Najee was the best running back in the country. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the Steelers. This is another pick where I think could potentially be a Najee Harris or even a Travis Etienne, but I don't see them taking a running back early. James Conner went to the Cardinals. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, he's on a one-year deal. Um, so it's James Conner, Chase Edmonds. Um, but you know, Big Ben's got a year left. And, you know, I think this team potentially could be looking for a quarterback. Um, I don't see anything can happen. You know, we saw the Chiefs trade up from 27 to 10 with the Rams. Was it the Rams? Uh, 27 to 10 um, to get Mahomes. And we all know how that went out. The rest is history. Um, But, you know, this team could be looking for a quarterback pretty quick. Um, I have a hard time believing unless Dwayne Haskins just balls out that they're going to groom Dwayne Haskins. He's got the talent to do so. Um, We haven't seen any of it. We haven't seen that potential. Um, But, you know, this could be a Najee here. Um, I also like a linebacker. You know, they lost Bud Dupree to the Titans, like you had just mentioned, um, at the 22nd pick. Um, You know, a line, true linebacker would be nice here. Um, like a guy like Zayvon Collins, who sits at what he's in the two seventies in his forty, I want to say it was four seven range, which not elite speed, but that's very quick for a a guy um, as big as Zayvon Collins. Um, I also like edge here, um, but I also like yeah. offensive tackle. And you know, this is a guy out of Michigan. He's only twenty, and he might have limited tape, like limited elite tape, I should say, mm-hmm. but. Um, I shouldn't say elite tape, limited experience. But I think what people like about him is his upside. I have him as my fourth best tackle in the draft, um, right in front of Sam Cosme, which is who's at five. Um, you know, if you draft Jalen Mayfield with a 24th pick, you don't have to start him right away. He could be a grooming guy for your franchise cornerstone tackle. I really like this pick, uh, but th- this is this is a team that could go several ways. They could shock and go Najee, um, but I don't think I don't think they're in a position where they have to do that. 
Um, but yeah. Uh, I've seen Najee mocked here a lot. Um, I don't think that they should go Najee Harris simply because I think they should go line instead because that offensive line is getting old. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva just retired this year. Marcus Pouncey also retired. So there's definitely help to be had at this offensive line spot. Uh, I do like Jalen Mayfield here. He can also kick inside to guard if you need him to. If he just doesn't pan out a tackle, whatever have you, if you need him to start there year one. I do also like that you brought up Sam Cosme. I think he's another potential spot they could go with here. Um, I think those two picks really make the most sense to me. Uh, it's it's really it's it's hard this year, especially with Big Ben being there. I I think this is kind of like his farewell tour year. Uh, they just you know restructured his contract, so this is I think his last year in the NFL. Even though I think last year probably should have been, but as you were saying, they don't really have much else at quarterback. They do have Dwayne Haskins there, but if we're being honest, has he shown that he's willing to put in the work to become a good quarterback? I I don't think so. Um, so it'll be interesting, just looking past this year for the Steelers, where they go at quarterback, because I do think Ben is gone after this year. So I'm curious who they'll bring in. And I think for now they should get a nice tackle prospect here so that they can protect Ben for his farewell tour and hopefully protect the next guy that they have for however many years that they have him. Yep, I fully agree. Um, You know, we don't have to go too in-depth with the quarterback position for the Steelers. But, you know, there's two. There's the Steelers and the Buccaneers that I think should be taking a strong look at this man. And I think he could go as early as the second round. I think he'll be a third-round draft pick. That's Kellen Mond. And, you know, the big thing that has stood out for a lot of concerns is his his inconsistency. Um, Jimbo Fisher had a lot of high praise. I mean, what else are you going to say, though? But, like, he also said, Jimbo Jimbo Fisher said Kellen Mond has, you know, he has the talent to be drafted in the first round. Um, You know, what else are you going to say? I remember writing a draft profile on Devin White, you know, two years ago. Um, and Coach O said he was Patrick Willis. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, comparing NFL prospects who haven't stepped foot on a field to future Hall of Famers. Um, I'm not going to say DK Metcalf to Calvin Johnson's blasphemous. I personally like AJ Brown better, but, um, yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of that. But yeah, I mean, Kellen Mond has... I think Kellen Mond has the talent to be a starting quarterback in the NFL in the future. Um, I think he would be not a perfect one for the Steelers. I like him a lot on the Buccaneers just because I think he's going to need more than a year to be groomed. And you have Tom Brady for who he restructured, who restructured his contract. I think he's got two or three more seasons left. Um, so, yeah. And we'll see just how long. Tom might even play longer than that. Who knows at this point, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do like that you brought up uh, Kalamond for the Steelers. The big thing with Kalamond is just he wasn't aggressive enough in college. Uh, I think people didn't see, like, you know, that the big throws down the field. And I think that's just the biggest thing for Kalamond is sometimes he played it a little too safe. But I do like him. I like him better than a guy like Kyle Trask, or I've seen a lot of people have him above Davis Mills from Stanford. 
Um, I would say Kellen Mond is my favorite out of like the rest of the quarterbacks. I agree. In this class, like, you know, uh, not including the top five guys. I would say probably Kellen Mond and then maybe a guy like Jamie Newman or Kyle Trask after that. But it'll be interesting to see. I think the Steelers should definitely take a look at one of those guys later in the draft. And the Bucks could even look at drafting one of those guys with their number 32 pick. But we'll talk about them a little bit later. For sure. Um, let's move on to the Jaguars. And, you know, Chase had said... <laughs> Chase thinks they're getting ETN, um, not necessarily at this pick. I, I'm assuming he's a – I'm going to guess he's maybe referring to their second pick because, remember, they also have the first pick of the second round from the Vikings, from the Yannick trade. Um, you know, there's several areas they could go about here. I think they could go – Pat. I think they should go Pat Fryermuth with their first pick of the second round, their 33rd pick, especially since they lost out on the tight end uh, – on the tight end sweepstakes and free agency. Um who I thought they should have went out and grabbed Hunter Henry. They should have went out and grabbed John o. Smith. Or at least signed one of those guys and they lost out on both of them, who are now on the Patriots, which is not good for fantasy. <laughs> um, but I think they should go Pat Frymuth with the 33rd pick. You know, 25th pick, though, you have Trevor Lawrence, your QB of the future. I think they need to protect their quarterback. Um, and... A guy that I'm looking at, and a guy I think that you have brought up, you know, numerous times while we've been potting together, is Sam Cosme out of Texas. And if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he's a three-year starter. He's a three-year starter. He's screamed consistency. I have seen, you know, very indifferent reports and opinions on Cosme. Mel Kuyper Jr. had said Cosme could also be a guy that could potentially stay back a year and really, really prove himself. I believe it was it was either Kuiper or McShay, one of the two said it. I was listening to a podcast a few months ago on him. Um, and, you know, this is another guy like Jalen Mayfield that has an insane upside that they just that every team, I think several teams are going to fall in love with. And, you know, he I think he'll fluctuate throughout the first round. He's been, you know, a top 15, top 20 pick throughout the season. And now he's falling into this twenty range. Um, you know, this guy plays with he plays with a lot, a lot of upper body strength. And I think where he excels, which will help the Jags enormously, immensely, is in pass protection. Yeah, I like the Sam Cosme pick here. Um, his only thing is technique can be a little sloppy at times in those past sets, but that's something that a good offensive line coach can get out of him. And I would hope in the NFL, you trust in your offensive line coaches a little bit, but I think that another guy they could look at here at tackle. If Cosme is gone for whatever reason is a guy we've been talking about a little bit, uh, potentially a Walker little, uh, this might be a little high for him, uh, just because of those injury concerns. But, I think that getting a guy who at one point in time was touted as, you know, a top prospect in this class before that uh, ACL injury happened. Um, I think that this is a good landing spot for him. And because of that opt out in 2020, he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires, which is good for a young growing core, especially with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. But I can also see how you'd want a guy more like Sam Cosme, who, you know, 
played, I think, as you said, the full three years at Texas. Has a lot of experience under his belt uh, going against those Big 12 rushers. So I like both of those picks here. You could get, you know, a little bit riskier taking a guy like Walker Little or Jalen Mayfield and hope that the upside is worth it. Or I guess I don't want to say like settle, but you could settle for a guy like Sam Cosme, who you know you're going to get really good production out of, but maybe the upside isn't quite as high as a Little or a Jalen Mayfield at this spot. Yeah, and, you know, I think there's, if they want to go defense, um, you know, I think they could build off their linebacker core, like going Zayvon Collins, a guy like Nick Bolton. Um, they also need a safety. Um, you know, they, 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 they signed Shaquille Griffin, um, <clears throat> and <clears throat> they also brought in um, Rayshon Jenkins from L.A., I believe it was the Rams, or the, I can't remember where he was from, but... Um, and I believe they still have Josh Jones, unless he's a free agent. Um, but, you know, they could really, really... And, like, th- this is one of these guys where if he goes in the first round, I won't be shocked at all. Trayvon Morig out of TCU. Yeah, that's another spot they could look at for sure is safety. Although I do think that their needs at tight end and tackle kind of uh, trump that a little bit. It wouldn't shock me if they take Merrick, especially because of the value here. Um, I think this is a perfect spot for him to go. Although I do see him slipping a little bit uh, more into the second round or so. But I do like the Merrick pick here as well. So let's go on to, we're kind of zooming through this. I like it. Let's go on to the 26th pick, the Cleveland Browns. Um, Like I had just mentioned before, we had brought up the Browns had signed, the Browns signed yesterday, um, Jadavian Clowney to a one-year deal. Um, They also brought in Malik Jackson, Tack McKinley, Troy Hill, Anthony Walker, and safety, John Johnson. Um, They still need, I would, I would almost say, in a linebacker you could also you know really entertain the idea of Caleb Varley because now I think because of his back injury he's going to fluctuate throughout the first round um and you know I feel like I've seen him you know outside of the first round um this could also be another Trayvon Moreg back um or Trayvon Moreg pick Grant Delpit um Grant Delpit was sidelined for his rookie season um due to an ACL injury. And I think it also really depends what happens with, I, I don't think anything will happen from now until the draft, but what happens with OBJ come week one? Will he be traded? Will he be traded come dra- like during the draft? You know, because we've seen guys like that, like Trent Williams, Josh Rosen, get traded during the draft. Um, so, you know, if they can entertain the idea of a Rashad Bateman going here, um, this is an insane reach. You had mentioned Walker Little, a little bit of a reach. Amon Ross St. Brown, I don't think he'll be there. I think he'll be in the second to third round range. Um, I think he'll might even fall to the third. But, um, you know, I think they can entertain the idea of a receiver if they really want to think about the future of that wide receiver core. They could. Uh, I do like, I mean, last year was kind of a sneak peek of this team without Odell. Uh, I'm not sure if that was more so just because Baker was getting into the rhythm of things with the offense more, or if it was just because he didn't keep trying to throw the ball to Odell and kind of getting him those touches 
that we typically see with, you know, an alpha receiver like OBJ who, you know, wants his touches. And we've seen OBJ can be a little bit of a drama queen at times. But uh, I think that, you know, for now, I think they'll be okay at wide receiver. We saw some decent stuff from Donovan Peoples-Jones last year, Rashard Higgins. Those guys, those guys filled in pretty well at those spots. Uh, I do think that defense, I think they should still go uh, that slot here. I like that you mentioned Zayvon Collins. I think he's a good fit for them. They could also go a defensive interior if a guy like Christian Barmore slips uh, down to the spot, which I could very well see happening. Um, because as you said, they did sign Jadavian Clowney yesterday. So you've got Miles Garrett on one side, Jadavian Clowney on the other. Get them some help in the middle with Christian Barmore there. But I think whatever spot they do decide to go here, it should be on the defensive side of the ball and specifically looking up at the front seven part of things with a guy such as Zayvon Collins, Nick Bolton, uh, Christian Barmore, even an edge if for whatever reason Jadavian Clowney they're just not very confident in. Um, a guy such as Gregory Rousseau, if he's still here, Aziz Ojolari, both of those guys' names coming up a lot around the spot. So they could look to either of those spots. And even in the second round, they could also look at getting a later edge if they really wanted to. Yeah. And like, you know, another guy <clears throat> like that you had mentioned later edge rushers, a guy like Quincy Rocher, who I don't think will be drafted within the first three rounds. I think he'll end up falling in the fourth to fifth round range. Um, there's another guy. I don't remember if I had mentioned this guy before. Um, the problem with him is he had, he had, he just struggles to stay healthy. Um, and that's Joshua Kendo out of um, Florida State. He is a monster. He is a mountain of a man. He's 6'7", 265. And I think his build and his athleticism and his body frame, he's just not very polished at all. But I think his build is going to make it hard for a lot of teams to pass up on like the 6th, 7th round range. Um, so, I mean, I can totally see if the Browns drafting an edge rusher because they still need an edge rusher for depth. Um, and I'm looking at a guy like Quincy Roche as well as a day three pick. Yeah, it seems like the best option for them. Um, pretty much just their strategy, I think, in this draft should be defense, defense, defense. Just kind of pound at home. They have one of the best offenses in the NFL, I think, even frankly, without OBJ there, I think they still have a pretty good team in that regard. You know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Austin Hooper, you know, that is a really good team there. And having Jarvis Landry as your wide receiver one isn't a bad thing. And then you throw OBJ into that mix. So I think they're fine on the offensive side of the ball. Just keep uh, keep on pounding home defense in this draft pretty much for the Browns. Yeah, and I think David Njoku might be a guy where you might see traded come draft day um, because, you know, he's been a guy that's really shut down um, really shut down those trade rumors. But, you know, now you're having a guy um, in Hunter Bryant really show out. Or is it Hunter Harrison? I keep mixing which one's on the Lions. Which one's Harrison on the Bryant, I think. Harrison Bryant, you're right. Uh, Hunter Bryant is on the Lions, I believe. Um, but, you know, Harrison Bryant, we saw a lot of this season. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Njoku also got hurt for a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think if they need to go anywhere on the offensive side, I would almost, I would 
still say go receiver. I mean, I don't see this team going an entire draft without taking at least one because you don't know the um, you don't know the future of OBJ. Like if he'll be on this roster come week one. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting one to look at. Let's go on to the Ravens. And this is probably one of my favorite fits for Trayvon Morig. Um, if you're looking at a safety, um, you know, th- this is interesting because I have a feeling I know what you're going to guess is this team needs to go receiver. And I think yep. they absolutely do. But I also think it's going to depend on who's on the board. Because if you have a guy, if you have like all these top guys off the board, I don't think they're going to even risk reaching for a wide receiver. If they have Rashad Bateman on the board, who I think is a strong chance he will be, they're going to entertain the idea of him on the board. Even Rondo Moore, um, who I don't think Rondo, I, I, I don't see Rondo Moore getting drafted in the first round. It won't surprise me if he is, but I wouldn't shock me at all if he falls to the second round. Um, but this team needs a safety. I love Trayvon Moore here. They also need an edge. They lost Yannick Ngakwe to the Raiders. I love Aziz Ojolari here as well. As you guessed, uh, I think they should go wide receiver here. Uh, they did sign Sammy Watkins in the offseason. Um, so you have him. Obviously, Hollywood Brown is your number one right now. So you have Hollywood Brown as your deep threat guy. Sammy Watkins as well on the outside. So getting a guy like Rashad Bateman to play in the slot there, that's like a match made in heaven for them. Uh, I've seen this pick mocked a bunch of times. I think it makes perfect sense uh, if Rashad Bateman is there. If he's not, I could see Rondell Moore coming here as well for another sort of underneath slot type of guy. Um, After that, though, I'm not sure if I would go receiver in the first round. You know, I'm not sure if a guy like Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Kadarius Toney, I'm not sure if they're worth this value. Um, I think they could get a guy like that with their second round pick. So if that does happen, I like that you bring up the idea of Trayvon Merrig to this spot because they do need the help at safety. Uh, They could also look potentially at corner just because they're getting a little bit older there with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Although I think those two guys are perfectly fine right now, but you could potentially take a guy like Caleb Farley or Asante Samuel, who's got, a little bit more of injury concerns for Caleb Farley, but you're letting him sit just more as a depth piece for a year. But as I said before, Rashad Bateman, to me, this is kind of the obvious choice for them to go at this spot. Yeah, I think Rashad Bateman absolutely is the obvious choice, and I think Rashad Bateman can immediately come in and compete for the number one spot because I don't think Marquise Brown has lived up to his first-round potential. Um, yet he's an undersized receiver, um, which doesn't necessarily mean a ton, but like you, we, but we've seen concerns of it because of him. Um, and he's also expressed frustration of Lamar Jackson as quarterback, but you know, that's not the issue. Marquise Brown has still not lived up to his full potential. Rashad Bateman is the clear, obvious pick here. I fully, agree, I fully agree with you there, Jeff. Um, but you know, what's going to be interesting is I wouldn't be shocked at all if, um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Bateman is not on the board, which might cause them to, you know, go the defensive route like a safety or an edge. So let's go on to the Saints. And, you know, this is a team that obviously lost um, Drew Brees, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees to retirement. They now have Jameis Winston. 
um, who I I really think he's taken the, the Teddy Bridgewater route. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was on that team for a year and, you know, worked his way to the Carolina Panthers. I think Winston's doing the a very similar thing, um, taking a very, very similar route. However, I think he's got the talent more so to, you know, be the future of that team. Um, and, you know, the Saints also sit in a position where they don't have a ton of draft capital and, they don't have a ton of draft capital to really trade up for a guy, like for a quarterback, for a, I'm not even going to put Mac Jones in the list because he might even go three, like a Trey Lance or, you know, even a Kellen Mond to come and compete with Winston for the, in, in, like in a, in a year or two. But um, I like wide receiver here. I think this is a team that should also be looking at Amon Ross St. Brown um, because they also lost uh, Emmanuel Sanders to the Buffalo Bills. That wide receiver two spot is wide open. Um, if they want to go defense, they could go D-tackle, a guy like Christian Barmore. Um, they also could go corner. And I really like Asante Samuel Jr. here. Um, and, like, yes, his issue is he's not really your prototypical size for a corner. And I have a friend of mine that is a big FSU fan. And, you know, the big thing he had said was, he backs it up with his game. He's not a trash talker. He really, like, he plays aggressive. He plays like a big-bodied corner. He is an undersized corner, which I think might cause teams to, you know, really veer a different route or a different player. But this dude is, you know, is worthy of being in the first round. Will he go in the first round? I don't think he's necessarily a lock. But I think if it's anywhere in the first round, I think these last few teams should be definitely be considering it, including the Green Bay Packers, which we'll get to. I wouldn't be surprised if 28, 29, 30 with the Packers and the Bills after this, if you see corner, 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 come off the board just because, I mean, all those teams, the Saints need it as well. Uh, but I don't think the Saints need to go corner here. Um, I like that you brought up the wide receiver because – Obviously, you have Michael Thomas as your number one. But after that, they have Triquan, uh, Triquan Smith, uh, Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris. Um, there's not a lot to work with there at the wide receiver two spot. So I like uh, that you brought up a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown to potentially go at this spot. Um, I could see a guy like Terrace Marshall uh, coming to the spot as well, sort of your deep threat guy, and have Michael Thomas do his thing underneath. Um, I also like that they could go linebacker here because they did lose Quan Alexander um, this last year because of all the cap issues that they've had. Um, so they could get a guy to go alongside Demario Davis in a guy such as Nick Bolton, potentially Zayvon Collins if he's here. But they could also wait until later in the draft to get a guy such as Jamin Davis out of Kentucky as a linebacker or Jabril Cox potentially in the second round. So... I do like the idea of going wide receiver here, but I think either wide receiver or linebacker are the spots that they should look at. And whichever one they don't take, you could potentially take that in the second round or maybe even go get a corner uh, in the second round with that deep second round pick. You see, I think the issue with this team too is I think they could be in trouble because I can totally see them missing the playoffs this next season. Quite frankly, I don't think they're making the playoffs next season. Um, they don't have a ton of draft capital. They don't have a ton of cap space. Um, they had lost Janoris Jenkins. They lost 
Malcolm Jenkins, if I remember correctly, dude got beat in coverage. Um, and that's why I think that, you know, this team could also use a true safety like a Trayvon Morig or an Adarius Washington in the later rounds or a Javon Holland um, in the second round. Um, but it'll be interesting because if you look at the NFC South, the Buccaneers are going young on their defense. And they're while still being able to compete now, they're building for the future. And, you know, they still have Brady. They still have, you know, this elite offense. They brought every single guy back. Um, so, I mean, and, and the Panthers are only getting stronger. They now have Sam Darnold. Um, and I, I still think Sam Darnold is under a little bit of pressure, too, because he now has to prove that Adam Gase was not the problem, which we have seen from Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Spears had brought up on first take a few weeks ago. That he thinks Sam's he thinks Sam Darnold will be the next Ryan Tannehill, but we don't need to go too in depth um, on it. But um, yes, but let's move on to our team, Jeff, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Um, so I've seen a lot of Kadarius Tony here, and I wouldn't mind it. And he, here's my opinion on the receivers, and I personally think yes, this is a deep class, deeper than last year. If we don't draft a single wide receiver this year, I will not be as upset as I was last year. Because going into the draft last year, we all we we had Devontae Adams. And, you know, we didn't see enough of MVS. We didn't see enough of Alan Lazard. And now we have a true wide receiver too right now that has proved himself. Alan Lazard. And, you know, MVS, who a lot of Packer fans have, you know, very indifferent opinions on. Um, but the issue with them is you never know who shows up. I will be a little bit upset unless it's Rashad Bateman, my second best receiver in the draft, unless it's Rashad Bateman at 29, I'll be a little bit upset. Um, because yes, the Packers do need a true slot wide receiver and Kadarius Tony would be perfect for that. I can see Kayla Farley falling here. Um, I, at this point, I would be a little bit surprised to see Gregory Newsom here. I think Gregory Newsom is a guy that has the best hip mobility and flexibility in this draft. Um, and, you know, they could also go a true linebacker, a guy like Nick Bolton. Um, <clears throat> and there are two, there's, there's two dream picks I really like, but none of them are going to be here. Elijah Vera Tucker, pair him with Tevin Jenkins as the guard duo. And Jeremiah Wusakor-Moa, those are two dream picks that are never going to happen. Um, and, you know, every... Last year we saw, oh, we're thinking of trading up for Justin Jefferson and, you know, he wasn't going to be there. I don't see them trading up. If I had to trade up for any one and any guy in this draft, it'll fluctuate. You know, obviously guys not counting a Panay Sewell. I would absolutely entertain the idea of um, a Jeremiah was a Koromoa. As, as long, especially as long as we still have Aaron Rodgers. We lost Christian Kirksey to the to the um, Houston Texans, who also signed Lane Taylor today um, for as a depth piece. Um, but so I can also see us going offensive tackle. So I'm very curious to see what approach they take. Because I really, they also signed Kevin King, one year, five mil, but it's incentive. It's very similar to the Devin Funches deal, where if he performs to this level, he gets this amount of money, which is, to me, that's why I was not as upset. And, you know, before we... I mean, the big before we can go in depth of the draft, I guess, is they signed Aaron Jones. 
Lechimo Williams walked to the Lions. Tim Boyle's on the Lions. On the Lions. Um, they also let... Um, Corey uh, Lindsley. Yes, thank you. Corey Lindsley walked to the Chargers, um, who is who now has two of our starting five, former starting five offensive linemen with Brian Balaga. Uh, but Jeff, what are your thoughts on the Packers offseason thus far, and how do you see them approaching this 29th pick to start the draft? So... If you know me at all, you'll know that I don't like paying running backs. So when I saw that Aaron Jones got paid, especially you know letting Corey Lindsley walk, I wasn't too happy about it. I wasn't. (laughs) I wanted to tag Lindsley. (laughs) I yeah, I wanted to tag Lindsley and let Aaron Jones walk. Uh, I think that should have been the decision. I think AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams would have been a fine pairing together. Uh, but, but obviously that didn't happen. So we let Corey Lindsley walk and David Bakhtiari is going to be out for a decent amount of time this year because he did tear his ACL. I think it was like midway through the season, somewhere around there. So you could look to get some line depth here. Um, I think there's more value than that in the draft though. I would wait on that. You could look at wide receiver, but I think, what we've seen in the past with the Packers is they don't like drafting wide receivers this early. And I think that if they're going to draft a wide receiver, I think from what I've seen from them is they want big guys who can block in the running game. Uh, we've seen that with Alan Lazard. He is an excellent run blocking wide receiver. Uh, MVS for as much as people want to hate on him. He is a big dude. Um, so if I saw, if the Packers want wide receiver, I think they're going to get a guy to replace MVS as sort of that deep threat uh, deep threat guy. And um, I think they can wait on that in the draft because there are some interesting projects who I think they could look at uh, at the wide receiver spot. Um, but I think for this spot where they're at, there's two options they could go here. I think corner is their number one need right now. Uh, Kevin King, I like the signing just for the depth of it. Uh we kind of need that right now because the next guys after him are Josh Jackson and Chandon Sullivan, who are, I mean, Josh Jackson just hasn't worked out in the NFL to this point. So I think getting a guy like Asante Samuel Jr., this is a good spot for him. I think if Zayvon Collins is at the spot, you could entertain that idea. But I like going corner here. If Greg Newsom is available, I would draft him in a heartbeat. Uh, Caleb Farley you could potentially look at here, but I think with the injury concerns and the Packers competing, I wouldn't necessarily go that route. So I think they should look defense here, and I do think corner should be the pick. It's likely that Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be at this spot. So that's who I would take with this pick, or Greg Newsom if he's available. I fully agree, and like the reason why I brought up, brought up Caleb Farley is I think it makes, well, one, he's fully cleared. And two, um, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially if, his, yes, he's coming off of an injury, but it also means you don't have to rush to start him. He's a bridge corner to, you know, potentially not necessarily groom because he's ready to start day one. If, it would, if he would have been ready to start day one, to start, if, it, if, it weren't, if it wouldn't have been for the injury, hadn't been for the injury. Um, but you have Kevin King on a one-year deal. So you don't have to rush Caleb Farley into, um, you know, a starting role. Um, and, you know, as soon as Caleb Farley's fully healthy, I think he'll be starting over Kevin King in no time. But 
Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, we we both of us kind of have the same viewpoints. But let's move on to the Buffalo Bills. I've seen a lot of Travis Etienne here, which to me it really doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, yes, like Etienne comes in and you know can immediately compete for the workload. The problem, the biggest issue with the Bills' backfield is they don't have speed. They drafted Zach Moss, and I want to say it was the third round last year out of Utah. They have Devin Singletary out of FAU and Zach Moss. The biggest thing they lack is speed. Devin Singletary is not fast at all. He's a big back. He's not fast. Zach Moss doesn't possess elite speed. They also went out and signed Matt Breida. They already have depth. Their run game might not be great right now, but they already have depth. I don't think they need to be spending a first-round pick, their 30th pick, on... um, on, on a running back like Travis Etienne or a running back in general, um, because I also have seen Najee Harris here. I really think they need to go corner. Outside of Tredavious White, they don't have a ton of depth. I love Asante Samuel Jr. here. Like I said, I don't want to repeat myself with him, but he plays like a big-bodied corner. He doesn't have that prototypical you know, Caleb Farley size. I think if you want to talk about a guy that really has you know, the prototypical size um, for an NFL corner, it's Caleb Farley or a guy like Pat Sertain. Asante Samuel Jr. really doesn't possess that. Um, really doesn't possess that elite body frame like those two guys do. But he plays aggressive and he plays like a bigger bodied corner and that he makes teams overlook it. And I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him drafted in the first round. Neither would I. I think, I think Asante Samuel does go somewhere in this 28 to 30 range. I think if the Packers don't take him, if for whatever reason they take Farley or Newsom, or I think whatever corner is available here, I think that the Bills should go because you're right. They need someone on the other side of Trey White. Um, he's really the best guy they have. Um, otherwise, I mean, Levi Wallace is there, Dane Jackson, uh, Cameron Lewis. So, you don't have a lot going on there. I've seen people also mocking Edge at this spot, and I guess I could see it maybe because of the value, but I think there's a lot of depth in this Edge class where I think they could get a guy uh, with their late day two pick. So I like your idea of going corner here. Um, I think a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. would be a good pick. Um, that's just if they can get him, though, because the big thing is you know, how many of these guys are going to be gone before the spot for the Bills. And I think after Asante Samuel, maybe Javon Holland, I think it drops off a little bit where you can wait until like the third round or the end of the second round, I think, to draft one of these corners uh, where they could also look at guys, you know, like Eric Stokes, Kelvin Joseph, Aaron Robinson out of UCF. So they have options here. Uh, If they wanted to, you know, sort of shore up their pass rush, I could see them going with a guy like maybe Ronnie Perkins. The value might not quite be there, but he's a guy they could look at. Carlos Basham, Aziz Ojolari. These are all names that you could potentially see. Joseph Asai. These are all guys you could see going um, at this spot to the Bills, or potentially even with their late day two pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say like the edge class is overly deep. I think it's talented, but I also think at the same time, it's going to be gone quick. And, you know, we could see up to four or five edge rushers taken in the first round. 
um, you know, Gregory Russo, Jalen Phillips, Z Sojolari, um, potentially Jason Owe. I don't see Jason Owe being drafted in the first round. Um, Quiddy Pay. Um, um, you know, I've seen, you know, I think the problem with Owe is Jason Owe doesn't have those, you know, wowing stats like some of those other guys do. Um, but I think a lot of people love him because of his upside. And another guy from Penn State and Shaka Tony, who I think will be, you know, an early day three pick, fourth to fifth round range, extremely underrated. And I think he'll turn into a sleeper pick. So that's an area, that's a guy that they could look at potentially in the later rounds as well as Quincy Roche that we've looked at. But, you know, I think, you know, Jeff, and I think we both kind of agreed on corner, I think should be their first concern first need they also re-signed their their star linebacker um to, i want to say it's a two or three year deal i'd have to i don't have the contract off the top of my head but yeah so let's go on to the kansas city chiefs um you know they they cut eric fisher they cut mitchell schwartz um and the super bowl really really showed how much offensive line like how much they needed Desperately, an offensive lineman. They went out and signed Joe Thune. Um, I believe they went out and signed someone else's offseason. I cannot remember who it was. They lost Sammy Watkins to the Ravens. Um, I love, 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 love a slot wide receiver here. Um, because to me, I mean, I don't really think McCole Hardman has. Can McCole Hardman be a wide receiver too? Sure. Yes, absolutely. But has he proven it? I don't. I really don't think he has. Yet, I think he still can. I love Kadarius Tony here. Um, Andy Reid loves speed. Kadarius Tony's a playmaker. And I was looking at like pro comparisons by Joe Brandt earlier today. <laughs> Kadarius Tony to Percy Harvin, a guy like a slot wide receiver, Percy Harvin, former Minnesota Viking, former New York Jet, a guy that, you know, was a star on the, his, his respective team. And also a special teams playmaker. And I think that's where Kadarius Tony can come in. Um, but, yeah. This team, as much as I would love to see them draft a wide receiver at this spot, uh, I think that they have to go tackle here. As we both, or as you mentioned, you know, they lost Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, they also lost Eric Fisher. The Mitchell Schwartz cut was a little surprising to me. The Eric Fisher one uh, made sense, but... Uh, anyway, I think the other guy was Kyle Long, I think, came out of retirement. So he's at the other guy at the guard spot. So they've got the guard. Yes, uh, thank you. Out, That's who it was. Figured out for now. So they've got uh, Joe Thune, as you'd said, and then Kyle Long as your guard spots. Um, so, you know, this could be a spot where you look at a guy like Dylan Radunes. Um, You know, they just need someone who has a lot of a lot of snaps pretty much I would say for the chiefs, you know, I, I, they're definitely not in a mode where they want to be coaching guys while they're out there playing, you know, uh, you need somebody who's played a lot of snaps, who's got a lot of experience and Dylan Redunes fills that need for them. If they were going to go wide receiver here, I think another guy that I've seen a lot of people talk about is Elijah Moore, another just speed demon, in the slot, he would be a dream pick for them. As you'd said, they love their speed. That's been apparent over the past, you know, with Tyreek Hill and Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman, uh, Byron Pringle as well. So as much as I would love to see that pick, I do think tackle is the spot that they have to go here, unfortunately. 
yeah, I fully agree. And yeah, I forgot it was Kyle Long. I couldn't remember who it was, but um, yeah, I, I don't mind the Dylan Radunes pick. I don't. I'd like the Walker Little, but at the same time, like the the the, the Chiefs line have also dealt with injury concerns, and I think that's where they're going to see. You know, I think that's where I think that's where teams like Chiefs, like players like Walker Little, are going to come into play like that. Uh, they could also look at guys in the later rounds. Um, a guy like you very much expressed reliability, and that's Jackson Carmen out of Clemson. Um, he has, you know, he's played in forty over forty career games, played in over nineteen hundred snaps. Um, as a Clemson Tiger, so he's a he's reliable, and you know he also plays. He's physical, um, and he also I I think I feel like definitely where he excels is in the run blocking, and this could also be a potential sleeper tackle, uh, who I've very well seen fluctuate throughout um, the third to fifth round range. Yeah, and that's another thing too is that the Chiefs are going to need a guy who's going to be able because, you know, they run a lot of screenplays, you know, a lot of this like RPO stuff. So they're definitely going to need a guy who is willing to, you know, get out and move around a lot, especially, you know, on those screenplays. So uh, hopefully the Chiefs can, I mean, they will bounce back next year. They have Pat Mahomes. As long as you have him on the roster, like, right, <laughs> you'll be fine. So I think, the, I think the Chiefs are good. They just need, you know, a couple pieces here and there and they're back to the super bowl so (laughs) yeah no kid yeah i mean there's still the team to beat in the afc so (laughs) so let's let's go on to our last team your 2021 super bowl champions um the tampa bay buccaneers and like we had mentioned before jeff they had brought every single team they brought every single player back um I, I'm sorry, that's my roommate. <laughs> um, I also love a D tackle here. I got at Christian Barmore. However, I I'm to the point where I almost like Levi Wuzurike better here, um, because think of who's also playing at at, at, the, at the bucket with the Buccaneers right now, and that's Vita Vea, former Washington native. Levi Wuzurike, a guy who opted out, also coming from Washington. And Dominican Sue's not getting any younger. Yes, they brought him back. But Levi Wuzurike can come in, be that rotational guy for a year, and be that former Husky duo, now Buccaneer duo, with Vita Vale. Totally. It's, I really, like, when I saw them tag Godwin, I was like, why did they do that? Like, they're not going to be able to bring back... Same. Uh, they're not going to be able to bring back Shaq Barrett. You know, they have all these guys like going out to free agency and then all of them decide they want to take discounts and come back to play with Tom Brady. So I'm, I mean, this team is literally the exact same team as they were last year, if not better because they have guys coming back. Uh, They're going to be scary. They are definitely the team to beat in the NFC at the start of the season. Um, As you had said, Awuzarike would be a really good pick here. Um, they could also get someone opposite of Antoine Winfield as well. So a guy such as Trayvon Merrig, um, potentially later in the draft are Darius Washington, Jamar Johnson, even they could look at. But I like the pick here of Awuzarike, um, pairing him up with a guy you said, Vita Vea, a Husky native. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this pick. 
You could also potentially see them take a quarterback at this spot. Um, I don't think they should. I think with Tom Brady there, they have more pressing needs. But if they really want to get that five-year rookie contract, they could look at quarterbacks here. Um, I think a guy like Kellen Mond would fit really well here. Uh, even if you wait, you know, with that second round pick, um, at the end of there, you could potentially get a get Mond might be there, might not, who knows? Uh, Jamie Newman, who has just a cannon of an arm, you could also look at have him underneath Tom Brady. I think any of these guys underneath Tom Brady, uh, obviously one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, would be a great quarterback whisperer. Have that guy sit on the tablet for a couple years, um, but I do agree with the pick. Of going defensive tackle here, um, picking a Wuzurike. So the thing, too, is I'm glad you brought up the quarterback. Like I've mentioned, I love, love, love Kellen Mond here. But if you look at the roster, like you said, Jeff, they have the same team, basically, if not better than last year. The Buccaneers are also could also sit in a position where they could potentially trade out of this pick. Because the, the, the draft capital they have in the second round, they might not have Kellen Mond available. So why not trade out of this pick and build for the future while still being able to compete right now? And I, I think I, I, I think these last two to three picks in the first round, you're gonna be hearing you're gonna be getting some calls. And I think you might see some teams take longer than usual to pick, and you might see some trades in the late first round of teams trading up. Or back especially, into the first round. Yeah, especially with the Bucks, because I mean their roster is loaded. They don't necessarily like anyone they take here i think they could get later in the second so they could definitely trade out of the spot unless for some reason like barmore is still available or something crazy like that like Uh unless somebody like glaring is there who just completely slipped out of the first round i do think this is a good spot for a team potentially to trade up so it'll be interesting to see how they go about that uh I mean, the Bucks just, they have such a stacked roster. Like, they li- they literally don't need any more help anywhere. But I mean, at this point, I think they're just building for depth and then figuring out their quarterback situation. So. Yeah, pretty much. And as I'd said before, you know, with for the Tom piece. playing how he is, like, who knows yep. how long he'll play for. I mean, if you put, if you give Tom Brady the protection like this, because, okay, the Buccaneers have never had this elite protection. Like, coming into this season, I remember talking to Darius, and oh, they're not contending. Obviously, yes, I would like to, like, apologize. I would like to say that I was wrong, all right? Like, so <laughs> serious. We were saying, who is better, the Buccaneers? Who had the better offseason, the Buccaneers or the Patriots? If you want to talk draft, absolutely 100% the Buccaneers. Darius and I were both on the same side of the Patriots, but, um, but yeah, I mean... At this point, this team is just building for depth. But, Jeff, that is all I have. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, Nothing much. Although I will say, speaking of mock drafts, uh, coming up in the near future, the Blitz, we will be doing a live mock draft here. Uh, We'll be doing rounds one and two separately. Uh, Not sure on the number of people yet, but we're getting that all figured out. So uh, we'll have that ready for you probably a week before the draft or so. So... Stay on the lookout for that. That'll be live on the YouTube channel, probably on Twitter as well. So if you don't know, we do have a YouTube channel. So uh, youtube.com 
uh, search up the Blitz, and you'll find us there. So be on the lookout for that. Yep, like Jeff said, you know we're going to be doing you know one potentially two rounds, um, you know depending on how our first round goes. But live mock drafts. I did this last week. It was so much fun. Um, so I'm really excited for it. Um, I want to give a. I'll, we'll do it again. But you know Jeff made Jeff has done a lot of hard work on the panel, um, creating the panel, and you know creating. You know what what the banner and what the panel is going to look like. So you'll you'll get you guys will be able to see it on Monday. I know Jeff does great work there. Shout out to Jeff for making the, you know, the graphic as well. So thank you for that, Jeff. Oh, you make me blush. You're too <laughs> kind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like Jeff said, give us a follow on all our platforms, the Blitz YouTube page as well. Um, and you know, I'm going to shout this out as well. Um, we're hoping to do some more interviews, but. Um, we, Jeff and I had the, we had the opportunity to talk to Isaiah Laudermilk, um, wish nothing but the best for him. Former Wisconsin Badger defensive tackle. Jeff, I think that was probably one of my favorite interviews might even been my, might've been my favorite interview that I've ever done with a, with an athlete, like, uh, such a charismatic person, uh, you know, on and off the field. And I really liked the quote that stood out to me is, you know, he doesn't want to be remembered for his game. He wants to be remembered for who he is as a person. And I think that really just goes to show, you know, how much of an impact he's going to make on a team. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I loved that one. Um, that was a great interview. So if you haven't, definitely go check that out. Um, it's part of our Behind the Helmet series I want to get going on. But, you know, shortly after the draft, maybe we'll get some rookies on, some recruits on. Um but yeah, yeah, that was that was a cool interview to do. Um, we are officially an Isaiah Loudermilk podcast for <laughs> sure. After that, uh, we wish nothing but the best for him. Hope he gets drafted. Any team who does draft him, who's listening right now, probably not. But um, you're going to be getting a guy with some really high character who's going to work his ass off um, and all that good stuff. So. Any team out there listening, definitely give Isaiah Laudermilk a look at in this draft. Yep, fully agree. You want a guy that you know plays at the high motor. Guy's a run stuffer. That's exactly what the Packers need. Take him in the sixth, seventh round, absolutely. But you know, it's I don't want to go too in depth with that. I don't want to give the people the chance to listen to that if they haven't as well. But you know, give us a follow on all our social media platforms. And you know, with that being said, I am Sam Daring. With my co-host Jeff Anderson, we are signing off, and we will see you next week.